strange. I know when I grew up, I went to a church where nothing like this took place. In fact, someone who got baptized in the first service, he said, first time I came here, he goes, why are these people eating and drinking coffee? You're not allowed to do that. So, um, but what I want to say is if you're visiting with us, you're very welcome. We're glad you're here. And right from the get-go, I want you to understand something about what the Bible teaches about church. A church is not a place for good people to go to sit around and tell each other how good we are. It's a hospital. And what, what was interesting this morning as we listened to the baptisms is you can be religious or irreligious, and yet we all need Jesus. And so if this is your first time here, I want to welcome you and invite you to come back. We always read from the Bible, so at this time the ushers are going to come and they're passing out Bibles if you need one. If you have a Bible, though, I'd like to invite you to turn to Romans chapter 9. And please, even if you're atheist or methobacterian or whatever your background, please just listen along and, and listen to what God says in the Bible. Even if you don't at this point believe the Bible is the word of God, the Bible, as, as you've heard, has changed so many lives, including mine. I don't do this because I grew up religious. The Bible says this is a trustworthy statement. Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And so those of us who are here hopefully are here because we believe that Jesus came to save sinners and we want to trust him and thank him and follow him. This morning we're in the midst of reading through the book of Romans, of which you're welcome to go online. As Tyrone mentioned, you can listen and follow along because you're kind of coming into the middle of the movie. But in Romans 9 through 11, Paul's answering a very basic question. Why are so few Jews Christians? Why are so few Jews receiving Jesus as Messiah? If the Old Testament promised that God would send a Messiah to suffer and die and rise again, why is it gone past most of the Jews? And why are all these Gentiles getting saved? And Paul's addressing that because God made many promises in the Old Testament to Jews. The Messiah came for the Jews. The promises of forgiveness, the promise of the Holy Spirit, the promise of inheriting the kingdom of God on earth was to the Jews. Why are the Jews not receiving it? We saw last week that Paul said in Romans 9 that the reason that the Jews are not getting saved in mass by the multitude is because of God's election. And that's hard to understand. I get it. But the Bible says, God has mercy on whom he has mercy. And for some of you, the first time, like me, when I heard that, I'm like, that doesn't seem fair. But then we learn that it's not unjust for God to have mercy on whom he wants. None of us deserve mercy. We then read that God has a right. I can't say to God, then why would you put anybody in hell if they can't, they can't be saved unless you choose them? And yet, that's not what the Bible teaches. And, and God says, who are you to say back to God? Why are you doing it this way? So we learn from Romans 9 that God has mercy on some. And that's difficult. Like, I don't, I don't fully understand that. But verse 23 says, he's made known the riches of his glory upon vessels of mercy, which he prepared beforehand for glory. Now we're going to pick up this morning and we're going to go, you know what? There's another reason why many Jews aren't saved. And that is because they refuse to receive Christ as their Lord and Savior. So what we find here is that Romans 9 is about God's sovereignty. Romans 10 is about man's responsibility. And though they sound contradictory, they're complementary. So, what we're going to learn this morning is three simple things. Number one, in chapter 9, we're going to learn that presently, right now, in this age, God is not saving many Jews. 
He's saving many Gentiles and few Jews. And what we're going to see is that the reason for that is God predicted it in the Old Testament. So we're going to start in verse 24, and Paul goes, Even us, look with me now, whom God called. See, we saw in chapter 9, he calls people according to his purpose. And Paul goes, God called us, not from among Jews only, but also from among Gentiles. So what he's going to do is he's going to go, let me tell you what the Old Testament says about saving Gentiles and about not saving many Jews. Start with Gentiles. God said in the book of Hosea, I will call those who are not my people, my people. This was way back in the Old Testament, Hosea wrote that. Because remember, the elect Jews were the people of God. There was Gentiles all over the place, worshiping all these other gods. But God said, one day, I'll call those who are not my people, my people. And then he said, and I'll call her who was not beloved, beloved. And it shall be in the place where it was said to them, you're not my people. There they shall be called sons of the living God. And that's amazing to think about right now, all over the world. This didn't happen in Old Testament times. All over the world, people are becoming children of God as they come to Jesus as Messiah. So, that's pretty simple. Now, but what about Jews? What do you mean only a few Jews are being saved? Well, look what it says. Isaiah cries out concerning Israel. Paul says, remember what Isaiah said about Jews. He says, though the number of the sons of Israel be like the sand of the sea, it's the remnant that will be saved. So he's using illustration for the beach. There's millions of Jews. But only some of the grains are getting saved. And you're like, what? So, so, wait. Well, the Lord will execute his word on the earth thoroughly and quickly. And just as Isaiah had foretold, unless the Lord of Sabbath had left to us a posterity, you know, a small chosen group, a seed, we would have become like Sodom and would have resembled Gomorrah. So, so, wait. The Old Testament basically said that God would set aside the Jews but not all of them, but most of them. He'd still keep a remnant. In fact, remember with Sodom and Gomorrah, God wiped out all of them. No exceptions, right? But with the Jews, God's not done with them. It's just not many of them being saved today. Go, all right, so wait a minute. So the, so the Old Testament said, nowadays, God is saving many Gentiles and few Jews. That's right. Second thing, the reason... There are many Gentiles and few Jews getting saved is Jews want to work for their salvation. They refuse to trust Jesus for their salvation. Let's look what it says. Beginning in verse 30. Well, what shall we say then? That Gentiles who didn't pursue righteousness attained righteousness, even the righteousness which is by faith. So here's the Gentiles just doing their thing, worshiping all these gods, and the gospel comes to them, and, and as it's preached, they're like, turn from these idols. God loves you, and he sent Messiah to die for you, and if you put your faith in him, you'll be saved, and the Gentiles are going, many of them, yeah, I'll get that. But the Jews, look at verse 31, but Israel, pursuing a law of righteousness, did not arrive at that law. Now, we're beginning to see this idea of, I want to do it by myself. That's what he means by pursuing a law of righteousness. That's what he means by what Kathleen said. I can get right with God on my own. I could do this. You ever notice this about little kids when they're learning to do something? 
You're like, you need some help tying that shoe? I can do it myself, right? And they end up tying their shoes together and can't figure out why they keep falling. So there's this streak within humanity that says, religion is something I want to do. I, I, I can do this. And so when the Jews hear, hey, the only way you can get right with, with God is through the death of Messiah on the cross, they're going, no way. I'm not accepting that. So look how Paul words it. He goes, why? Why did Jews not get saved today? Because they won't pursue Christ by faith, but as though it were by works. They stumbled over the stumbling stone. The Old Testament predicted that when Messiah came, that to Jewish people, it would be like a rock in the road. They would trip over him. Let's keep reading. They stumbled over the stumbling stone, just as it is written, behold, I lay in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. So the Jews wanted to earn their salvation by their works. And Paul says, that's why they're not getting saved. And you know how he felt about that? Look what he says. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is for their salvation. Listen, if you're a Christian and you get it, and you've been saved by faith and not by works, we all have loved ones who probably aren't saved yet. And that hurts because... We believe that they're not going to heaven, not because we're better than them or because we're holier than thou, because the Bible says if they're not saved, if they haven't trusted Christ for salvation, they're not going to heaven. So our hearts ache. And maybe you're here today because someone invited you who's a Christian. And they're like, I want you to be saved. And you're like, hey, you know, born again stuff. Hey, I'm glad that works for you. Fine. Dunkin' Donuts, whatever, you know. But listen, that's not for me or I'm a good person. See, that's the whole point. And if you're a Christian this morning, I want to urge you to pray for lost people, right? You're like, well, you just said in chapter 9 that God calls his elect. He does. And guess how he does it? Through prayer. So it's not either or. Remember what I said? I believe like a Calvinist, but I preach and pray like an Arminian. Don't give up praying for your children, for your neighbors, the worst person that you might know. From the guttermost to the uttermost, God loves people. He doesn't want them to perish. And so we pray. And I believe that churches see powerful works of the Holy Spirit as people are calling on the Lord. Lord, would you save my kids? Would you save my neighbors? Would you give us opportunities to present the gospel? So if you're not doing that and you're a Christian, let me ask you to do something. At least start with the 10 most wanted list like the FBI. Just list the 10 people who are dearest to you that you want to see saved and begin to pray for them. I'm not telling you go out and talk to them about God. I'm telling you just start to talk to God about them. Lord, would you open their eyes? Would you save their souls? Now, here's why Paul felt such a particular burden for his Jewish friends, because they were like him. They were really religious. Look what he says. I testify them that they have a zeal for God. But they don't know about God's righteousness. And notice what he says. They seek to establish their own righteousness. Man, there's a lot of people like that. When I was growing up, one of my neighbors... Right next door, him and his wife had a daughter in their 20s. Precious, gifted, cheerleader, wonderful girl. She was tragically killed in a car accident. And they were devout Roman Catholics. And from that day on, they were never the same. But that father, for the rest of his life, went to Mass every day. No, not every Sunday. Every morning at 5 o'clock in the morning, he would get up, and go to the church 
and he would pray a mass hoping to get his daughter out of purgatory. I don't get up every morning at 5 o'clock to pray. He had a great zeal for God. But when it comes to relationship with God, zeal is not what gets you to heaven. It's the knowledge of the gospel. Look what Paul says. Not knowing about God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own, they didn't subject themselves to the righteousness of God. I want you to think about this because this is really important. Because there's a whole lot of people out there that know what the Bible says, but they still won't come to Jesus. And why is that? Seeking to establish their own righteousness. Okay? You see, many, many people today from many, many Protestant and Roman Catholic churches, they still feel like, hey, there's got to be something I do. It's kind of like, do you remember the old shake and bake commercial? The little girl pulls out the thing and she goes, and I helped, right? And we want to help in our salvation. We want to say, well, you got, you got to do something, right? You got, to, you, got to, you got to do this. And God's going, no, no, no. Salvation is completely through Jesus. I remember once talking to someone at St. Mary's Hospital and I asked them, why should God let you into heaven? And they said, well, um, this person, and again, I have Gentiles, Jews, Catholics, all kinds, but this person was Roman Catholic. Very sincere, sweet. It was a nurse. She said, well, because I, I try my best and I'm a good person. And I thought, hmm, that's interesting. And right behind her on the wall was a little cross with Jesus hanging on a little statue. I said, that's funny. You didn't mention anything about Jesus dying for your sins. And she goes, oh, well, that too. Now, here's the deal. It's not that too. You don't get saved by being a good person and that too. It's either him alone or not at all. You see, I think somehow so many Americans are like Wiley Coyote when it comes to religion. Remember Wiley Coyote? He was bound and determined that he was going to get the roadrunner. Now, if you paid attention, he always came up with an anvil or a stick of dynamite. But what it always had in common is if you ever read where he got it from, he got it from Acme. But not the Acme supermarket. It was the Acme do-it-yourself kit. And in a way, that's what religion is. Religion is just an Acme do-it-yourself salvation kit. And then you read the Bible and you go, when Jesus hung on the cross, he didn't say, hey, I'll split it with you. He said, it is finished. Christ died for our sins. And so instead of me establishing my own righteousness and gathering up my good works and telling God, you should let me in heaven because I'm a good person, I have to come to the point of going, wow, I need to stop depending on anything but Jesus. And the Bible calls that subjecting yourself to the righteousness of God. Coming to God and freely receiving that gift. Not saying, well, let me do something. It's scary. I've even had people say this to me. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I believe that I'm saved because Jesus died for me. And so it's not by works. And, I, and this person happened to be Roman Catholic. I said, well, do you think you'll go to purgatory? And they said, well, of course. I still have to go to purgatory because I'm not pure enough to go to heaven. See, you're still missing the point. If you think you have to go to purgatory, or you think you have to do the masses, or you think you're Protestant, you, go to, you, know, you have to be religious, if you add anything to Jesus, you've removed Jesus. So this is why many Jews are not getting saved in this age, because they want to earn their salvation, right? 
And the Bible says Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. Christ is, when you realize that God didn't give us his laws because he goes, here's 10 rules. If you can keep all 10 of them, you can get in heaven. And we're going, count me in. Now, first of all, think about that. Do you really want to stand before God? And he says, here's the Ten Commandments. Did you keep them all? And you're going to go, uh-huh. Because if you did, you just broke another one. You lied. The Bible says, thou shalt not lie. We've all broken God's laws. So the, the laws of God were not intended to say, here, do these and live. They're intended to say, see why you need to be saved? Because you're a sinner. And I hope that doesn't offend you. I hope that awakens you to go, yeah, that's true. I'm not good. I'm a sinner. And then Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. I stopped trying to keep the law to get right with God. I put my faith in Christ alone. And then all of a sudden, it's no longer, well, me and Jesus split it, or me and purgatory, or me and my good works. It's Jesus alone. Now, so Paul's going to tell us that the Jews stumbled over Jesus, and they refused to be saved through faith in Jesus. But there's one more thing he's going to do. He's going to then say, but listen, the cool thing is now salvation is available to Jews and Gentiles. God is no respecter of persons. In fact, this passage is going to end down in verse 12 and 13. He says, there's no distinction between Jews and Greeks. The same Lord is Lord of all. So let me review and then we'll, we'll, we'll land this thing. Not many Jews are getting saved these days. Mostly Gentiles because that's what the Old Testament predicted. The reason not many Jews are getting saved these days is because they won't come by faith alone. They want to work for it. And lastly, we're going to see that God will save Jews or Gentiles as long as they come through faith in Jesus. Now, the way Paul gets there, he uses a really interesting illustration. He uses an illustration from the book of Deuteronomy where Moses, when he had led the children of Israel 40 years wandering through the wilderness, he gets them a new generation right before they go in the land. He goes, this is what God expects from you. And then he says this. Now, don't say in your heart, who will go up to heaven or who will go down across the sea to get the word of God. It's right here in front of you, right? Paul takes that verse and he changes it. And I want you to think about this. He says, for Moses writes, verse 5, that the man who practices righteousness based on the law shall live by that righteousness. Now, I think what he means by that is, if you don't want to phone a friend, if you don't want to change your ways, if you don't want to change your plea, if you're going, nope, I think I'm good enough, Paul goes, all right, have at it. But know this, that when you get before God, the Bible says if you try to keep the whole law and you break one law, you're guilty. And one sin will keep you out of heaven. So he says, that's what Moses said. If you're going to try to live by the law, live by it. But he says the righteousness based on faith, getting right with God by faith instead of works, and he quotes this passage, but he changes it. Look what he says. He says, do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? Now, that's the original quote, who will ascend to heaven. But then he adds a phrase, that is, to bring Christ down. And then he quotes the Old Testament, who will descend into the abyss? Then he adds a phrase, that is, to bring Christ up from the dead. I think here's what he means by that. God's way of salvation is entirely from God. It's all by grace. It's all his work. He doesn't want any help. So, so the Bible doesn't say, for God so loved the world that you should go up to heaven and help God bring his son down here. The Bible doesn't say, if you believe that 
you went down into the grave and you and God raised Jesus from the dead, you shall be saved. It's all God. I get annoyed, but it's really true when you go into gift shops and they go, don't touch anything. You break it, you buy it, right? In a way, though, that's the gospel. You're like, oh, yeah, Jesus died for my sins. Praise the Lord. And then I got to help. And God's going, get your hand off of that. It's Christ alone or not Christ at all. It's Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, or just keep trying to be religious. So ask yourself, which one are you doing? Are you trying to earn your salvation by being good or not being bad or trying to be the best Christian you can? Do you get it? God's going, stop that. You can't earn righteousness. It's a gift. Jesus already came and died. When he hung on the cross, he said, it's finished. His one sacrifice is all God requires to pay the penalty of your sins. And then God raised him from the dead. So you're like, okay, well, then, then what do I need to do? And if you're a Christian, this is something you want to walk through with your children, your friends, and family member. Here's what the Bible says, verse 9. Here's what you do. You don't earn your salvation. You believe that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in salvation. Now stop and think about that. Does that sound like how you're going to get to heaven? Have you ever come to a place where you said, you know what? If God were to say to me, why should I let you into heaven? Because the Bible says, if I confess that Jesus is Lord, not Jesus was just a good guy, I love some of his teachings like do unto others. Jesus is Lord of all. Jesus is the only way. Jesus is the risen son of God. Do you believe that in your heart? Maybe you didn't used to believe that. But if you believe that in your heart, and you believe that God raised him from the dead. Now, again, the implication is you believe he died on the cross and was raised by God. Do you believe that? You know, I think so. Do you believe that's the only way to get you into heaven? Like, well, I didn't used to. Well, change your mind, all right? It's a free gift. And you're like, well, that's not what I was taught. Doesn't matter. That's what the Bible says, right? And you're like, I think I'd like to do that, but not tell anyone. <clears throat> Confess with your mouth, right? See, Jesus wants us to believe it in our heart and proclaim it with our mouth, right? There's none of this secret service stuff. You, you, you realize I'm lost, and once you realize you're lost, you're like, I want to be saved. Jesus, be my Savior. And then after you believe, you, you come and you get in this water like everybody else, and you say, I'm saved. Right? You're like, well, I don't know. What would people think of me? Think about that. Who cares what people think of you? You only got one person to worry about who, what he thinks of you. And he's saying, come and believe the gospel, and you'll be saved. And you're like, okay. Okay, how do I do that? Why should I do that? Well, let, let's keep reading. Verse 11. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. You will not be let down by Jesus if you come to him this morning. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. Jew or Gentile. For the same Lord is Lord of all. He's abounding in riches to anyone who calls upon him. This is a cool thought because I'm going to tell you something. Some of you here are going, wow, this is speaking to me because I've tried to be religious. But some of you might be here and be going, I'm not religious. 
So I'm screwed because I, I, I haven't even been trying. to. There's no zeal for God. I, I'm an atheist. Or I don't care about God. Here's the good news. The same Lord is abounding in riches for all who... It doesn't matter what you've done. From the guttermost to the othermost. You just come to Jesus as you are. Religious, not religious. Come to him and believe in him. Remember what Kathleen said. I'm trying, trying, trying. I didn't realize. You just come and, and you receive his free gift. And it doesn't matter what you did. Nothing disqualifies you. Jesus said, whoever comes to me, I won't cast them out. He's like, oh, no, come on. You kidding me? You haven't even tried. You don't have to try. You trust. You don't have to be good. You believe. And then look at this last verse. It says, for whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Remember what Kathleen said? I didn't know. And frequently when I show people that verse, they're like, well, what do I say? I don't know how to pray. And I go, no, hang on. Let me, let me give you an illustration. This is a true story. And you've heard, some of you heard me tell this. Years ago, I was down in Ocean City, Maryland with my family. We're down there for a week. And there were a lot of riptides in the, in the ocean that week. And on the news that morning, it said, if you get in a riptide, don't try to fight it. Just let it pull you out. And then eventually, you'll just go off to the side and you swim back in. So God's my witness. I, all of a sudden, I'm out there with everybody else. And then all of a sudden, I'm going, whoop. And I'm getting scared. But hey, I'm a good swimmer. You know, rip t- you know, that stuff's for, for weak people. So I start cranking it into turbo swim. And I'm not getting anywhere except backwards. And I'm getting tired. And now I'm getting scared because people are, I'm going this way. And now the lifeguard, I, I, he could see me because he was up on his perch. Probably because my eyes were like, ah, right? <laughs> but I literally am thinking to myself, I'm not calling this guy. Do you know how embarrassing that would be? For me, you know, like on the cartoons, they're pumping my leg and water. I'm not calling this guy, even though I'm about to drown. Can anybody be more stupid than that? I almost drown because I'm more worried about what will people think of me. But I'll tell you this. If I did decide to call on the lifeguard, I would not have gone. Now, should I say, dear lifeguard or, oh, Mr. Lifeguard? Should I say, save me from these waves or save me from this riptide? Just the best I know how to say, help save me right? Does that make sense? You come to Jesus. You don't have to be all religious and clean up your act. You just go, Lord, I'm lost. I, I, everybody else was talking about being selfish. I'm selfish. I've tried to be religious or I've been unreligious. It doesn't matter. I want to be saved. Lord Jesus, I believe. And when you do that, does it say, yeah, he might, he might save you? Because here's the thing. Some people come every week. They go, I keep doing that. You don't need to keep doing that. Imagine if you got married. 34 years ago, my wife said, I do. I don't ask her every day. Do you still do? <laughs> do you still do? Would you do? She said, I did. I said it. I, so faith in the Bible. So if somebody says, yeah, how do you know you're going to heaven? Because the Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And I did it. I believe. And I'm saved. You don't have to spend the rest of your life going, I don't know if I'm saved. But what you do need to do is to get saved. And only you and God know whether you've ever done this. And I want to plead with you, if you've never done this, the Bible says now is the day of salvation. Why would you put this off? You're like, you know, I'm going to do that one of these days. Do you know how many people are in hell who probably had that thought? For two reasons. Number one, because not everyone dies a slow, languishing death where they're like, oh, I only have six months, so I better get saved. Right? You might have a heart attack or get hit by a car. And you know what's even scarier? Is you might want to be saved today. You might not want to tomorrow. You may never want to. 
So if you want to be saved and you get that, the Bible says, come, believe, and you will be saved. And I can tell you this, the same Lord is full of mercy and riches for all of us. And the cool thing is, you call upon him to be saved, but then once you're saved, you know how the Bible describes Christians? Paul said to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 1, he goes, I'm writing to all of you who call on the name of Jesus. I'm so thankful that he didn't say, all right, you had your turn. I'm a genie. You get one call and that's it. You call on him to save you and then you spend the rest of your life praising him, serving him, and calling on him to carry you the rest of the way till he takes us to glory. Please say amen to that. If you stop calling upon him and you're a Christian, that was a bad idea. Jesus is abounding in riches. That's the gospel. He loves to help us. He won't forsake you. Maybe you said, I did that and I lost my way. That's what Sammy said. He got saved. He lost his way. Come back to Jesus this morning. Get at the foot of the cross and say, Lord Jesus, merciful Savior, come into my heart. And if you're already a Christian, Lord, I'm coming back. I've wasted those years, but now I'm ready to follow. And so as we close this morning, this is a beautiful passage. This is a great day. And God is calling people. This morning in the first service, somebody said to me, she said, you were speaking to me, and that's why I went like this. I said, I wasn't speaking to you. She said, well, I know God was speaking, but he was speaking through you. <laughs> and so if you're feeling that pull, it ain't me speaking, it's God speaking. It's Jesus saying, come. And so let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, oh, what a wonderful day it is to hear the gospel afresh. Every Christian, we can rejoice that you saved a sinner like us. Lord, that you'll never cast us aside. It's not something we have to keep doing. It's not something you kick us to the curb if we mess up. You're abounding in mercy. You're abounding in kindness. And Lord Jesus, I know you're extending your hand right now, and there are people here who need to be saved. And, and, and as Christians, we rejoice and we pray for our children, our loved ones, our friends and neighbors. We want to share this message with them. But if God's speaking to your heart this morning, I want to invite you right now, don't put it off. The best you know how to forsake your religiousness and put your faith in Christ. Or if you've been irreligious and you could care less about God, today, turn from your selfish life and trust in Jesus alone. The best you know how, right there in your seat, while Christians are praying for the spirit of God's movement, Lord Jesus, just say, Lord Jesus, I get it. I thought I had to be good. Now I see it. You died for me. You rose again. I want to be saved. Come into my life. Change my heart. Forgive my sins. And help me to follow you as a forgiven sinner. Lord, I'm willing to confess this with my mouth. I'm willing to get baptized. Today, I turn to you to be saved. Just before I close in prayer, if that's your desire and that's your prayer this morning, well, no one's looking around. I want to invite you. If you prayed that prayer and you did ask Christ to save you, I'm going to give you an opportunity to just let someone know that. I want to ask you to raise your hand and just look at me so I can pray for you and then I want to give you a booklet when you leave. I'm not going to ask you to come forward but if this morning you ask the Lord to save you, would you just take a moment right now to say, Pastor, yes, I did. Would you pray for me? Is there anyone at all? Yes, praise the Lord. Amen. The Lord be merciful to you. Anybody else? You say, I get it now. And I've asked the Lord to save me. Yes, praise the Lord. Anyone else? Don't be ashamed. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. Lord Jesus, thank you for these two ladies who have acknowledged Christ 
And Jesus, may you come to meet them in a precious way. May you assure them that you love them, that you will completely forgive them, and that from this day forth, if they have called upon you in faith, then they can be sure that they're genuinely saved. Lord, we celebrate your gospel. We know you're coming soon. So I pray that this church, that we would see thousands reached with the gospel and that your word will go out to the ends of the earth and one day we'll be in heaven rejoicing with all those you saved. Lord, we love you and for those who are troubled or trembling, I pray that they won't leave today without talking to someone, that you'll give them no rest until they find rest for their souls. Lord Jesus, thank you for this time together. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray, amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Please, if you didn't raise your hand, it doesn't mean it's too late, but I urge you not to put that off.